Welcome to the Vanguard Bible Church podcast. For more information about Vanguard Bible Church, visit www.vanguardbible.org or come worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. at Freedom Middle School in Northwest Bakersfield. We hope you enjoy today's message. Hey, church family. I hope you're doing well and remaining encouraged in your walk with the Lord. The verses I'd like to share with you today have been quoted in Hollywood movies such as James Cameron's Titanic and Clint Eastwood's Pale Rider. They've been used in songs by rappers such as Tupac, Jay-Z, and Kanye West. They were even quoted by President George W. Bush on September 11, 2001. And they've been cited at numerous celebrity funerals, such as Whitney Houston's memorial service a few years ago. The six verses we'll be looking at today are among the most popular and most quoted verses in the entire Bible. But before I unpack them together with you, let's pause and ask the Lord to help us understand and apply them to our lives. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, the verses that you inspired David to write have comforted countless believers for centuries. Would you please use them to comfort those who need comfort today and bring back to the memory of those, these verses, who will need comfort in the near future. Thank you, Lord, for including these verses in the canon of Scripture they once again reflect how fragile we really are and how much you care for us. Please illuminate your word for us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you would, join me in opening up your Bibles to Psalm 23. Psalm 23. And as you turn there, let me give you a little bit of background on the book of Psalms. Uh, The book of Psalms is basically a collection of poetry. Some of the chapters uh, in the book of Psalms are worship songs, some are prayers, and some are both. They are all rich in theology, and some are deeply personal. Psalm 23 is commonly classified as a thanksgiving psalm because it both praises God's character and His work in the life of the believer. Now, ever since it was written, Psalm 23 has comforted hospital patients on their deathbed, parents who have had to bury one of their own children, soldiers marching out on the battlefield, missionaries who were imprisoned in foreign countries, and so much more. Now, although David doesn't mention in the superscript where he was or what he was doing or when he wrote Psalm 23, Some commentators have suggested he wrote it in the later years of his life while running for his life after his son Absalom led a coup to steal the throne from his father. You can read more about that if you want in 2 Samuel chapters 13 to 19. But for now, let's look at Psalm 23 together. I'm going to read the first four verses. David writes, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. 
He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Here's uh, the first point on your outline, which I hope you downloaded one off of our website. Uh, the first point on your outline is this. The Lord is a paternal shepherd for Christ's followers. That's the first truth that David's telling us here in verses 1 through 4. The Lord is a paternal shepherd for Christ's followers. This psalm neatly breaks down into two sections or movements. Uh, the first four verses, which I just read, describe the relationship between God as the shepherd and his people as sheep. Now, interestingly, similar to other psalms, Psalm 23 uh, also foretells of a Savior who would care for his people like a shepherd does for his sheep. Now, you might remember reading from your own, uh, in your own Bible study and devotions that Jesus called himself the Good Shepherd in John chapter 10, uh, verse 14. Also, the author of Hebrews referred to Jesus as the Great Shepherd in Hebrews 13, 20. And we know from Peter that Peter called Jesus the Chief Shepherd in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 4. Now, in this touching psalm, we have David drawing upon his experience as a shepherd when he was a young man tending his father's flocks. And he, and he does so by painting a picture of how the Lord cares for his people. If you'll notice in verse 1, it's just, it's just pregnant or packed with meaning. Verse 1, where David says, "...the Lord is my shepherd." Uh, first of all, I just want to bring your attention to the fact that the Lord, the name Lord, is really important. Most Bible translations show the name Lord in caps, all caps. And this is because in the original language, this is the proper personal name Yahweh or Jehovah. It literally means self-existing or self-sufficient one. It means no one created God and he is dependent on no one. It's also the name that God used when he made a covenant with the people of Israel to provide for and to protect them. Thus, David is saying, if I was to paraphrase in our modern vernacular, if I was to paraphrase his prayer, he's saying, the Lord, my covenant-making, promise-keeping God is my shepherd. It's also David's subtle way of saying, Lord, don't forget that you are a covenant-making, promise-keeping God because I really need you right now. Next, I'd like you to notice in verse 1, he says, The Lord is my shepherd. Please notice that first-person possessive pronoun. David is reminding himself and the Lord that God has made a covenant with both the congregation of Israel, and individuals as well. This is just a, another subtle reminder that, that the encouraging truths in this psalm only apply to those who have a personal relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. 
And that is, those who have repented of their sin and follow Christ by grace alone, through faith alone. Next, David tells us, because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. These four words reveal something profound about each of us and something about the Lord. About us, I think these four words, I shall not want, reveal that we are prone to want just about anything else besides the Lord. And about the Lord, they reveal that He wants to lead us to a place where we want nothing else except Him. That's why, that's what makes these four words the most difficult, I think, in the entire Bible for American Christians to repeat. Uh, for example, there was, there was once a little girl who heard a Sunday school lesson at her church on Psalm 23, verse 1, the very verse we're talking about here. And after class, she could be heard quoting verse 1 to her classmates in her own translation. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord's my shepherd. I've got all I want. I, I love that story because it's just so simple and insightful coming out of a, a young child. But here's the, here's the truth that we've got to acknowledge, and that is if we love anything else in our hearts more than Jesus, then I think Jesus would say we've wandered from our shepherd. And if we want what Jesus can do for us, more than we want a shepherd, then we've missed the point of him dying for us. Now, David goes on to list a few more benefits of having Jesus Christ as our shepherd. Here's a letter A on your outline. We're told that he provides for us, that he provides for us. The, it says in verse uh, 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures. You need to know that when the Bible calls us sheep, it is not meant to be a compliment as though we are some cute, cuddly animal. Uh, the, the meaning of this phrase actually has a lot to do with the behavior of sheep. For example, before they will lie down, sheep must be free from all fear, free of fric friction with other sheep, free of parasites, and free of hunger. In other words, sheep need a lot of conditions to be met before they will lie down and just relax and rest in peace. And the spiritual parallel is simple. Anyone who walks with the Lord by chewing on His Word will not lack spiritual nourishment. This is one of many reasons why the Scriptures are referred to as food for the soul. Notice then in verse 2, David says, he leads me beside still waters. This is another metaphor with a rich spiritual parallel. Just as sheep need a shepherd to lead them to safe watering holes in order to satisfy their thirst, the Lord quenches the thirst of his children by being a stream of living water for them. Jesus said this himself in John chapter 7, verses 37 to 39. Next, David tells us, uh, letter B, that the Lord guides us, that He guides us. He restores my soul, in verse 3. Some translations render this, renews my strength. 
The idea here is a play on, on how real-life shepherds monitor the stamina of their flocks. Just like shepherds, the Lord knows how much we can take and when we need to rest. And by the way, uh, He often pushes us further than we want to go, so we will learn to find our strength in Him. Uh, Next, though, in verse 3, it says, He leads me in paths of righteousness. If an adventurous sheep developed the habit of straying, A shepherd in biblical times would break that sheep's leg so that it would no longer leave the safety of the flock and then nurse it back to health. In a similar sense, when we wander into sin, the Lord will discipline us so that we learn to follow Him, as it says here, in paths of righteousness. Next, the the third thing that David tells us about the Lord and what he does as a shepherd is, let her see, he protects us, but not in the way that we think. He protects us. In verse 4, David writes, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. In biblical times, shepherds had to lead their flocks through ravines and gullies where the steep and narrow slopes kept out the sunlight. The reference to death here is probably superlative language for a very deep shallow or uh, sorry for a deep shadow or deep darkness. The spiritual parallel, parallel is obviously that valleys represent the dark uncertain seasons in our lives in which we can't see what the Lord is doing or whether he's even there. Sometimes we're the ones that got ourselves into the valley. And other times, he's the one who led us there on purpose. However, he will always lead us out. And if we follow him, valleys will be redeemed and he'll bring good out of those times. Valleys have a way of purging our pride and refocusing our priorities and heightening our sensitivity to the Lord's presence. Next, notice in verse 4 how he says, Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod was a club kept on the shepherd's belt that was used for fending off predators. The staff is that well-known crook that most of us have seen in pictures that was used to keep sheep in line or from wandering off. The Lord's skillful use of these two tools was a comfort to David. Now, let's, uh, let's pause the video for a moment. I'd like you to talk about this discussion question. Because David is doing something here where, that we rarely do or we struggle to do. He is expressing confidence in God's confidence as he goes through a valley. But I have found we often don't do that. So if you would talk about this question and think about it, why do we often think the Lord has abandoned us when we walk through a valley in life? Talk about that for a moment, and I'll be right back. I I think we all do this. And there are several reasons why. We, we think the Lord has abandoned us when we're going through a valley in life. A couple of reasons that came to my mind while I was preparing this lesson. First of all, 
I think we wrongly associate physical comfort and ease as the only sign of God's presence. In fact, there could be an argument made from the scriptures that physical comfort and ease is a sign of God's absence. And yet, I think an honest survey of the scriptures would show us several examples in which God's people were struggling, and yet, He was still with them. Psalm 23 is a perfect example that we're studying here. Another reason I think we believe God has abandoned us in valleys is that we listen to our emotions instead of God's Word. This reminds me of something I once heard Jerry Bridges say in a book. Uh, He wrote, don't believe everything you think. You, you cannot be trusted to tell yourself the truth. Instead, stay in God's Word. Stay in God's Word. Of course, Bridges was implying we can trust what the Lord is telling us. We often think, Lord, if you love me, then why are you making me walk through this valley? But the Lord, I think, would respond to us in this way. This is what life outside the garden is like. You chose this life the first time you sinned against me. However, because I love you, I will get you through this valley. And because of the valley, you will be more thankful for the mountaintops in your life. You know, I'm learning in my own walk with the Lord that sometimes the Lord takes us through valleys where Jesus is all that we have so that we will learn Jesus is all we really need. Well, let's look back at the text again, and if you would read it with me, I'm going to read verses 5 and 6. David says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Here's the second point on your outline that I think David is trying to tell us about the Lord, and that is, the Lord is an extravagant host for Christ followers. He's an extravagant host for Christ followers. This second section or movement in Psalm 23 describes a relationship between the host and his guest at a lavish banquet, which was common in the Old Testament. Some scholars have interpreted this as referring to the spiritual blessings the believer gets to enjoy in the present tense, while others have interpreted this as a description of the blessings the believer will enjoy in heaven someday. Either seems appropriate, but regardless, these two remaining verses are a metaphor for the extravagant generosity the Lord shows us in, in particular, he, that he shows those who have followed Christ as their Lord and Savior. And let me break it down for you into a couple subpoints. Letter A is this. He honors us. In the scriptures, the Lord promises to honor faithful Christ followers. 
in this particular passage where David says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, not only is the table symbolic of the Lord's generous provision in our lives, but also the presence of enemies is a reminder that David wasn't liked by everybody. And we know David was a godly man, the only man, in fact, that the Scriptures called a man after God's own heart, and yet he was hated and despised by many. But the fact that enemies who mocked and persecuted him will eventually get to see him dine with the king of the universe was especially satisfying to David. The enemies won't get to join in. They will only get to watch. Now, we think, Lord, if you love me, then why don't you make all my enemies like me? Why don't you help them understand me, Lord? But the Lord says, because I love you, I will bless you in front of all your enemies. And that's even better. Next, in verse 5, David says, You anoint my head with oil. This refers to a custom in Old Testament times for, uh, in which the host would greet guests at the door with exotic perfumes mixed with olive oil. Bottles were broken and perfumes lavishly poured on guests until it ran down onto their clothes, leaving a pleasant, lingering odor. David next then says, my cup overflows. He's picturing here the Lord as a servant or a waiter who, who hovers over him, filling his cup and refilling his wine glass, describing a God who loves to give and gives more than we deserve. Next, letter B, David also says, the Lord is extravagant in how He blesses us. He blesses us. In verse 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. As, as David reflected on his life, looking back on what God had done for him, he knew the Lord would work all that was happening to him in the present tense of Psalm 23, that God would work all that together for good. He also knew the Lord would continue to show him mercy for his own sins. Even if it was difficult to believe while walking through the valley of the shadow of death, David knew that when he was with the Lord someday in eternity, he would definitely be able to look back and say, The Lord was good to me. Well, let's talk about applications. Uh, we want to be doers of the Word, not just hearers, because as James 1 tells us, James 1, 22-25, those who do God's Word will be blessed, and we want to be blessed. Here's the first application that comes to mind, and that is we need to trust God's Word more than our emotions. We need to trust God's Word more than our emotions. Now, this is difficult, I admit, for all of us, including me, to do, because our inherited sin nature deceives us into thinking that what we feel is always true. In fact, this is so ingrained in us that we won't notice it until we've trained ourselves to separate our emotions from truth. For example, just because we feel pain with our, when our doctor gives us an immunization, it doesn't mean he's trying to kill us. Or just because we feel butterflies in our stomach on an airplane doesn't mean the plane's going to crash. This is why if your faith isn't anchored in the truth of God's Word, it will be tossed 
by the tidal waves of your emotions. Secondly, another application that comes to mind is uh, we need to thank the Lord for the valleys He has already brought us through. Most of us can look back in our lives and recall very difficult seasons that we would not have made it through if the Lord had not been with us. Although David was writing Psalm 23 while in the midst of a valley, one of the things that enabled him to do so was reflecting on other times the Lord had come through for him. This reminds me of an insightful quote by Philip Yancey I read a few years ago, where Yancey wrote this, I have learned that faith means trusting in advance what will only make sense in reverse. So how about you? Is the Lord taking you through something right now that you will have to trust in advance will only make sense to you in reverse? Well, so where is God when we need Him? That's the question in the title of this little lesson. Well, the answer, in short, is this. If you have a personal relationship with Him through His Son, Jesus Christ, He is always with you, and He will never leave you nor forsake you. In fact, speaking of never leaving you or forsaking you, that's our weekly verse of encouragement for today. Hebrews 13, 5. The author of Hebrews wrote his letter to suffering, discouraged, young Jewish converts. And he wrote, Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. I think the author of Hebrews wrote this, in other words, to say, the Lord can provide a security and comfort that wealth and material possessions never can. They just never can. And wealth and material possessions can be lost or taken from you. But if Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you will never lose Him. Well, thanks for tuning in today. And I am praying for you. And I look forward to seeing you again very soon. May the Lord bless you and make His face shine upon you. And I'll see you again soon. We hope you've enjoyed this Vanguard Bible Church podcast. You can find more sermon messages online at vanguardbible.org. Have a great week, and we hope we'll see you soon.